Let's turn our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 14. We're going to read selected passages in the book of Proverbs, and then we'll work our way to James. As we continue this series, Legacy, talking about relationships and how huge that is to the times that we are in. How huge that is to the times we are in. I say it again. How huge a need that is for the times we are in. Relationships that create legacy, <clears throat> not just relationships for a minute that are platonic. We're just here today and gone tomorrow. This is what he says as we deal with these different aspects of relationships, whether it's marriage, whether it's parenting, whether, and then we're going to look at the part of the relationships. What are these ideal-looking relationships look like? What is an ideal relationship? We're going to spend a few Sundays on that down the road so that you kind of know what the ultimate situation is so you could keep your eye on it and stay focused on it, okay? If you don't know what the ultimate thing is, all we're doing is looking at pieces of situations that we need to address. But when we look at the ultimate situation, then we know where to go so we could fix our eyes on that. In Proverbs chapter 14, verse 29, he says, And he who is slow to anger has great understanding. He who is quick-tempered exalts folly. Let's go to chapter 16, verse 32. <clears throat> he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. Look at chapter 19, verse 11. A man of discretion makes him slow to anger. But in his glory, but it is his glory to overlook a transgression. Now you got to jump all the way to James. Best way to find James is to go to Revelation and back up. If you get to the book of Hebrews, you missed it. It's not that big a book. It's not a bigger book. Okay, James, and I want you to stick the bulletin or something like that in the book of James so it's easy to find once we get there, Lord willing. In James chapter 1, look down to verse 20. Verse 19 wouldn't hurt you. Though this we you know, my beloved brethren. But everyone who is quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man, Please underline, the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Dear God, we thank you for the working on the thing that you know the best, and that is relationships. That's all you know. And you made man, you made man to have relationships. Husband, wife, Abel and Cain, relationships. You made tribes. You created nations. You built it off of relationships. You come to the church. It's a family unto God. So God, whatever you do, you build it based on your image, based on your focus. So God, I pray that we will understand it your way since the world keeps shaping it their way. We ask you to bless this, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You know, we have a lot of anger in our world today. It's been really emotionally depleting this week 
especially to see 21 people slaughtered at the will of someone who is angry. You could define it as mental illness. I, I'm not going to debate that. But at the end of the day, that shows anger, the way the Bible defines anger. Maybe deep-seated anger that sat there for a while, not processed properly. Could be deep-seated anger that went into a mode where they call depression, because a lot of times when a person is deeply depressed, it's a lot of anger they kept pushing down that led to depression. Anger that could have come from physical abuse, sexual abuse, angry parents screaming at them all the time, demanding they do different things, cursing them out. They can't respond because this person that is, has an authority over their life can whip them again or holler at them again or beat them down again. So when they are under this oppressive person and they can't respond, they suppress the anger, and that anger could lead to depression, which leads to this explosion of killing people that you would see take place around our country. Whether it's road rage, domestic abuse, anger is there. Because we tend to come to anger, which is a very strong emotion, and we don't process it well because we just explode in it. As a matter of fact, you had the story of uh, Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great was a great warrior. That's why he's remembered to today. He planned wars well, organized them well, and he was very success successful in many of the wars he had. Alexander the Great grew up with a childhood friend that he made a general childhood friend. They all grew up together, played together, like brothers together all the time growing up. They were like brothers. Always had each other's back, so they went to war together. And one day, his friend, best friend, who's like a brother, started teasing him in front of his, in front of a group of military guys sitting around a fire after a war, a campaign. And they were just sitting around this fire, sitting around it, just talking, laughing. And then his best friend, because they're friends, started to tease him. And because they're friends, he just relaxed and teased him. Uh, that's what friends do. They tease you. Well, the friends I have, that's what they do, especially my family members. They got name, nicknames for you and got stories about you. And they tell you all these stories and they could tell you this and that and all that kind of stuff. And they could cheese you and tease you and tease you. And Alexander the Great got up because he had an anger issue, this quick-tempered nature. And before he could think about it, he picked up a spear and he threw it right through the chest of his best friend. He said Alexander the Great was not the same after that for the rest of his life because that was honestly, truthfully, his very, very best friend that he just killed. He did it. They couldn't get him out of his tent they couldn't get him to stand in war and direct war. And that was one of the reasons that led to his defeat. Because he, in his passion and rage, killed his best friend the worst way ever. You see, anger is powerful. It's a powerful emotion. Because many times it's been sitting in a person like a furnace slowly burning. And it keeps eating away at them and eating away at them and eating away at them and eating away at them. And, away at them, and then it just explodes. Anger, many times, is something that is so powerful that when you look at it, even God would tell you he was angry. You actually can't go to anger and see that it is sinful, just generally speaking. The Bible would say, be angry. 
The word be means be as angry as many times as you want to be. It's not sinful if you put it within this process so that you go through the fire and you don't get burned by the fire. You go through the fire. You don't get burned by it. Because if you stick the word anger and you look at it in the concordance, most of the time when you look at the word anger, you would see God next to it. You wouldn't see a man next to it. You would see God next to it. And the Bible would say in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 to verse 27, be angry, but sin not. It doesn't say sin not and try not to be angry. It says be. The word be is in imperfect tense, meaning be it endlessly, but do not sin. So he's telling you how not to be angry, and then he's telling you what is sinful in anger at the end of that chapter. He tells you what is sinful. He, tells, he lays it out, the bitterness, the wrath, the clamor. He, he lays out what is sinful when anger becomes sinful. So anger is something that we're going to have. Some people are what they call passive-aggressive in their anger. They're angry, but they get you a different way. They, they just don't scream and holler at you, but they will burn the toast, or They would act like they don't feel like they didn't remember nothing. You know, I was supposed to pay the bills. You, did you pay my car note? No, I didn't. They know they were supposed to pay it. They were set to pay it. They just didn't do it because they want to get you. They, they, they're called passive-aggressive, so they may not scream or shout or whatever, but they shut down. They don't say nothing to you for days because they know that irritates you. They're passive-aggressive. They're still angry. They just don't holler and scream about it. They just treat you like you're not there, frustrate you. So people demonstrate anger in different ways. So you can't say that a person who is loud and screaming, that that person is angry, and the other person who's quiet and methodical about how they get you, they're not angry. The young man that shot 21 people, he was angry a long time. He was angry a long time. He had to go to a job to work a job. He had to be able to save up money to buy 35 rounds, 3,500 rounds of ammunition. To buy that gun cost money. So he went to work. This was not something he did at the last minute. He's been angry. But nobody saw the anger. I don't know what this family structure is like. Columbine, same thing. Kids angry. Or kids being influenced by Satan. Because Satan will take anger and make it dangerous. The Bible says he would take it. Putin been planning to invade Ukraine forever. He's been plotting along all along, trying to turn Ukraine into the persons that made America's politics messed up. He tried all the way through the process of the last administration. He tried to make Ukraine look corrupt so he can get it. He's been working on it. He set aside trillions of dollars so when people cut off his money, he knows he can su sustain his country. So anger for some people is, wow, there is this explosion. But anger is methodical many times because anger can become what the Bible calls wrath. Wrath is different. Wrath is when the pots start flying. Wrath is when the shoes start flying. Wrath is when people are methodical about how they're going to get you. The Bible says that's wrath. So what you saw was not anger. You saw wrath. Kid went to a job. Kid worked a job. Kid saved up his money. Kid bought a gun. Kid bought ammunition. He went through the back door. He knew what's going, where, how to get into that property. 
He knew exactly where to go. Not the front door, the back door. That is wrath because anger been sitting for a while. The Bible says when it does that, Satan gets a foothold. That's why he could, Satan came to kill, to steal, and to destroy. That's why he arrived at killing because Satan loves to work on anger. He could use it because he knows it's a powerful emotion and the person stops thinking. So he could take a believer and use that believer to do what he is doing. Like you see, Putin could just bomb an apartment complex. Who cares? Not he's not in it. His family's not in it. Who cares if in a theater there's 300 people? Just slaughter them. Because anger becomes satanic. That's just the way it is. But it is not sinful to be angry. So we have to figure out how do you be in this fire but make your way through it so you're not burned. How does that happen? Well, the first thing we decide we need to look at in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 29, is the fact that you have to be willful about it when anger shows up because this is a natural emotion. When God made us in his image, he's telling us that emotion is natural. It's not unnatural to be angry. It's, it is sinful if you don't know how to go through the fire. So what is he saying that makes this a methodical process because this emotion is so strong? He tells us here in verse 29 of Proverbs chapter 14. Here's the first thing he tells us. He who is slow to anger has great understanding. Watch the contrast. The word slow doesn't mean that the person don't feel anger. The word slow is that when they feel it, they start to do something about it. That's what the word slow means. You don't slowly get, not everybody gets slowly get angry. You said, yes, there's people that slowly get angry because, it's, because it, it builds up over time. The young man slowly got angry. Nobody dealt with it. He got shoved from one house to the next. He never got to express it. It became suppressed. Satan worked on it. It became dangerous. And he let it out. He let it out. Understand, so he's saying be slow to anger. The word slow to anger means be long-suffering. Now, the thing that we have that Solomon don't have, right? Solomon come from his father, David, right? So, you've got some examples of David being the warrior and Solomon being the peace lover. You got the contrast. When did Solomon go to war? Never. Solomon went to no wars because his dad took care of killing everybody that could ever be in war. In those days, people would go to war from 16 on up. They'd go to war. And if a young man is 15 and strong and strapping and a warrior that could fight, they put him to war. You see this in many countries around the world, little kids with guns. That's not uncommon in those parts of the world. So Solomon, when David kills an enemy, it takes them a while to build back up all those men to go fight the war. Because they, they, the men went out to war. So if the men went out to war, how are the women going to have babies? So when Solomon is in office for 40 years, there's no war. Because his dad took care of business. So Solomon, teaching these young men, can tell them you have to be slow to anger. Meaning, when somebody comes at you, the thing that you need to do is to first be long-suffering. Now, we, we have... A New Testament of how that works. In Galatians chapter 5, he says, 
Long-suffering could only happen when the pressure on the inside is greater than the pressure on the outside. What am I talking about? Go to Romans chapter 8. The pressure on the inside has to be stronger than the pressure on the outside. It's kind of like a submarine underwater. It's the underwater, the lower the submarine goes is the more the pressure is on the walls of that submarine. So they have to increase the pressure on the inside of the submarine to take care of the pressure on the outside so the walls don't cave in. So if the pressure of the submarine on the inside ever stops pressurizing, guess what happens to the submarine? It crushes. And when it crushes, with all those bombs inside of it, it explodes. So what the Bible is teaching us is that we have to learn to build up the pressure on the inside because the world is going to be so messed up, we will get angry. But the Bible is saying, sin not. Look at Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, this is what he teaches us when you drop down to verse 12. In verse 12, he says, and I want you to keep your fingers there, he says, so then, brethren, he says, so then, brethren, we are, under, we are under obligation not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if we live according to the flesh, you must die. But if the spirit, you putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. The spirit means you're putting to death the deeds of the body. How do you put to death the deeds of the body? Look at verse 5. He says, for those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. We're going to talk about that in the next verse. In other words, a person who sets their mind on the flesh, meaning you made me mad. They're into themselves. You made me mad. I don't like what you have to say. That, you know that word sets me off. Whatever the flesh is feeling, the person responds from the flesh. And what he's saying is, you're not obligated to that flesh because that flesh died. Jesus Christ put the flesh on the cross and killed it. So therefore, he now wants us to come from the spirit and not from the flesh. And the only way to come from the spirit and not from the flesh is that's why Proverbs would tell us. We got the New Testament, so this helps us. Proverbs would tell us the person of understanding is slow. Because the person of understanding means the person that don't let the flesh get so powerful they turn the brain off. Because the minute they turn the brain off, the flesh is full of death. Paul would say, look at chapter 7 of Romans. Paul would say, the flesh has nothing good inside of it. Nothing. Nothing. The flesh is totally possessed with sin. When we sinned, the flesh was totally inside of it. Look down to verse 21. He says, I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. For joyfully concur with the law of the God in the inner man. But if I see different in the laws of the members of my body, waging war against the laws of my mind, and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is my members, wretched man that I am, who will free me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. So then, on the one hand, I myself with my mind, I'm serving the law of God, but on the other side, my flesh is the law of sin. So if a person let their emotions so ride around in their flesh 
and everything they feel is what's driving them, the Bible is saying they turn off the spirit. When they turn off the spirit, they turn off the inner force that would help them to keep the mind on. What is the focus of the Holy Spirit? To bring to our remembrance the Word of God. The focus of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Peace. So he helps us to live in peace rather than in war. The Holy Spirit provides us joy. So when we are functioning in the Spirit, we have the attributes necessary to take care of the war and the wickedness and the evil of the flesh. But if I choose to just walk in the flesh, because this is what I feel, you know, you shouldn't have said that. You're in my space right now. Are you got no business being in my grill? You're just messing around with me. He says that leads to the fact that the flesh, even though a person is saved, that's why he says you're not obligated to it. You have no obligation to satisfy what you feel. There's no obligation. You could turn it off when you want to or just set your mind to say, this is what I'm going to think through this process. What does he mean by thinking through? The word understanding. Go to Colossians. He says, slow to anger means long-suffering. Not too many people can be long-suffering when they're angry. So he's saying, you can't decide to be long-suffering. You have to match it with a decision to grow in the Spirit first. So when you're growing in the Spirit, the Spirit starts to convict you if you said something you weren't supposed to. The Spirit starts to convict you if you feel like doing something you ain't supposed to. The Spirit of God starts to remind you of a verse. The Spirit of God starts to tell you what to do. He says when a person's developed the Holy Spirit prior to becoming angry, that's their salvation. The minute they choose not to grow spiritually, they don't have the inner power when the flesh starts to act to do anything but get angry and sin. Their salvation is to grow spiritually first. Go to Colossians chapter 1. That's why I push it around here so much. Y'all think I'm just saying life application. I'm trying to save your soul. That's it. That's I'm doing my job. Go make disciples. Y'all just make it hard on a preacher. You know, the world has got a better shot at making a disciple of you than I do. That's why whatever they tell you to think, you think it. They're, whatever they tell you to do, you do it. If they put on a music, you dance to it. They got you. They got us. They got us. And they got us. God has us in church with well, a living word for a minute. But some of us don't do Bible study. So you start thinking seven, 24 hours a day times seven, the world has you compared to how many hours God have you? Three? Three to four hours? So you take 24 times seven and just give, say you give God four hours. Who's going to win? People say, why are you so much in your kids' lives when they were growing up? Because I know the school had them for eight hours times five. They had them for 40 hours to indoctrinate them any which way they wanted to. I only get them after dinner. So I'm, I'm all in. Because I know they had them longer than me. I'm all in. I'm 100% all in today, Grill. Talking to them, playing with them, taking them to practices, sitting down with them. We do devotions from time to time. Why? People say, why you do that? Because they had them for 40 hours every week. I only have you for an hour sermon, 
Television, 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 television. Average person looks at 40 hours of television. The average person. So when we are so angry, we are so in the world that God can't get us so even Christians can get angry and start hurting for people. Because God don't have us. You don't have us. We don't have us. Colossians chapter 1, he says this in verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in spiritual wisdom and what? Understanding. You see, we could now balance what Solomon is saying in Proverbs, this word understanding, and get to understand that in in the Colossians, he's talking about spiritual understanding. He's not talking about just understanding the issue. Yes, that's why James would say, be slow to speak, quick to listen. In other words, try to understand what the other person is saying. Let me give, let me, let, let me give you an example, okay? My wife and I grew up in two different backgrounds in terms of cleaning a house, okay? My sisters did most of the cleaning, this is most of the cleaning, okay? This is most of the cleaning. The boys were told to take care of the yard. I had chickens in my yard. I had pigeons in the yard, all this other stuff. So I, I had to go out there and sweep, clean up under the yard. The houses in Guyana, most of them look like the houses in Galveston. They're built off the ground because it flooded and there was no irrigation. There was no drainage systems that were running through the city streets. So the water just came in. So you built the house off the ground. So you go under the house and play games. So that's what the kids did. They play under the house, literally. So you, I, we came, took care of stuff under the house. So in the early part of our marriage, my wife says, would you clean up the kitchen for me? I got it. Because she wanted, she likes bathing her babies. That was something it was, she loves to do. She loves to bathe her babies. She, she would lotion them down. And my oldest son right now, when he takes a bath, I go, oh my God, you didn't grow up ever. Um, because I, I knew what he's doing. I know what he's doing because I know what she did. And she likes to do that. I said, I got the kitchen. When I finished cleaning up the kitchen, she goes, they kitchen ain't clean. I never asked for an understanding. What I mean by that is to her, cleaning a kitchen is mopping the floors. Cleaning the kitchen is wiping down the counters. Cleaning the kitchen is taking the dishes out the dishwasher, wiping them down. In them days, they didn't come out like they do now. Wiping them all the way down and putting them back into, putting them on a, a, a little thing on the counter there until they're really, really dry, air dry. Then you pick it up and then you put it back the very night. So there's nothing in there. Then you have to wash the little rag to make sure that the rag is fully clean so you don't use that rag again. I'm saying, this is work. I bathed the kids. <laughs> so for me, it was different. I, I, I didn't think of mopping a floor. I didn't think of any of these things. So our first argument as a couple was over a kitchen. Why? Not understanding. Never decoded, what do you mean by cleaning a kitchen? Never asked that question. I never did. I just simply said, I got this. Okay? Just as long as I get to put them to bed. That was my little thing. But I, 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 you, you do that, I'll put them to bed. I got the kitchen, you know, we bang, you know, we, we got this going on. And I'm in the kitchen, feel like, feel proud. Like, I got the kitchen, that done. It, man, it look good in here. Dishes are in the dishwasher, dishwasher's running. You don't wash dishes in the dishwasher. You wash the dishes first, then you put them in the dishwasher, then you take them out. What? What is the point of a dishwasher? 
That's not how you do this. You just take the stuff, put them in there. That's why you got the dishwasher. We arguing over this thing because I, I felt what? Offended that I felt I did a good job and you come up in here messing with my work. See, understand, he's saying understanding means slow to speak, quick to listen. If I start slowing down to hear that information, then I am learning to be slow in anger. If I also are getting, we talked about the Spirit of God growing in me prior to the situation, the Spirit of God is also working, and therefore the person is not quick-tempered. Let's go back to real Proverbs. He's saying, when these things don't happen, you ain't seen anger in a society yet. The more people walk away from the church, the more people walk away from reading their Bible, the more people walk away from trying to understand one another, you're going to have racial violence. You're going to have people shooting at people in supermarkets, and then you're going to have people retaliating for that. I'm going to get y'all back. You're going to have all the stuff that you see between the Jews and the Arabs that's been going on for thousands of years. Because the people are not slow to anger because they're not functioning within that structure. And they can't calm down because they're not functioning in that structure. Look at what he says. But the, the, he who is quick-tempered exalts folly. In other words, a person who is stuck on, I got a right to be angry. You, you, you know, you did me this way. I got a right to be angry. The person that is stuck on that way is a person that is telling you they're not committed to understanding. He said, how do you get that from? Because he said they're exalting folly, meaning they become, first thing is they are proud. They don't like being corrected. So the first, this way he said exalt in folly. He's double doing this because folly is negative pride. So he's double doing this. He's saying a person who is quick-tempered, they love their emotions. They believe they're right. And they are proud about the fact that I know I'm right. You're in my business. You shouldn't be doing this. They are proud about it. And, then they, and he says that attitude leads to them being a fool. What does he mean? What does he mean? Leads to them being a fool. Look at chapter 18, verse 2. Who is a fool? Who's a fool? Matter of fact, I used to tease my kids when they were growing up. And they would say, hey, fool. I said, that's the first thing y'all got right. Foolishness is built up in the life of a child, in the heart of a child. So y'all actually calling each other the way the Bible defines you. Fools. The Bible actually defines a fool. A fool is an insult in our day. It's not an insult in biblical days. It's just a definition of a person who's not wise. We call it an insult. Man, you're a fool. That's an insult. The Bible don't see it as an insult. The Bible is seeing, just like you're saying, you're a woman. You're a man. The Bible just sees it as defining the person. In, in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 2, he says, A fool does not delight in understanding. That's why the person exalts in their quick-tempered nature. They don't want understanding. They don't want nobody to understand nothing. That's what I'm saying to you right now. I don't have to understand nothing. You need to shut up. So that's a quick-tempered person. But only in revealing his own mind. That's all they want to do. They want to tell you what they think. That's why they don't hear nothing you're saying. And that's why in anger, it becomes clamor. Clamor in the Bible means two people are speaking and nobody listening. 
It becomes that way because quick-tempered natures mean I don't plan to listen to you. And, and you, you, would, you would also see that some people, some people are passive-aggressive in this. They shut you off. They close the bedroom door. They turn the TV up loud. So they may not be screaming, but they're telling you, I'm mad and I ain't going to listen. It's quiet in here today, and it's a whole bunch of black folk in here. Y'all don't be throwing no rocks. Jesus was crucified, not me. Okay? Now, watch this carefully. He says, matter of fact, go, go to another passage. Look at chapter 23, verse 9. Chapter 20, verse 3. That's why he's saying a person who is quick-tempered is a person who is not listening and don't care to listen, don't want understanding, don't care for understanding, don't desire to even understand anything. The person don't care. So that's why you can't get a word in because they are not, they don't care. And that person is defined as quick-tempered. They're defined as quick-tempered. We may define a person who quickly responds with anger as quick-tempered. The Bible says a person who's quick-tempered is a person who don't care for understanding. That's why they're just talking talking, talking, and you're basically telling the other person to shut up because I'm going to keep talking no matter what you say. I'm going to keep talking no matter what you say. I'm going to keep talking what you want because I don't care to understand nothing you're saying. In verse 20, chapter 23, chapter 20, verse 3, says this about a person who exhibits folly. And Solomon would know. Who is Solomon? Wise. So who could define a person who's a fool better than anybody? Solomon. In chapter 20, verse 3 says, keeping away from strife is an honor for a man. That doesn't mean a person avoiding conflict. That's not good for a marriage. You're not talking about avoiding conflict. Strife, he's going to define strife. Strife is different. Okay? In other words, a person could be angry, but you don't want to get it to strife. Strife is when stuff starts flying. The Bible says, now you're sinning. Now you're outly sinning. And that's why it may start flying with a pot. It may start flying with a shoe. It may start flying with all kind of things. But the Bible is saying eventually a knife gets picked up. A gun gets picked up. Because that's strife. Satan comes in. He's not trying to just throw something. He wants to kill something. He doesn't kill a person. He kills a relationship. He says, he who provokes him to anger. I mean, sorry, verse 3. But. Any fool will quarrel. Any fool. Just quarrel. They, you talking, they're talking. You talking, they're a fool. Because they're not interested in information. They don't care about information. So they just keep talking, 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 talking. You talk, you, they're talking. You talking, they're talking. You talking, they're talking. You talking, you just, you just clamor. Because they don't want any information, so they quickly quarrel. That's why you find teenagers, they quickly quarrel. Why? The Bible says they're born a fool. They don't want understanding. The more you try to teach them, is the more angry they get at you. I just can't wait to get out of this house. Get out of here. Got to listen to you over and over and over again. Y'all say some. Y'all let some kids say stuff that I would have died. I heard a kid at a football game saying, the, the parent says, hey, you need to sit down. The kid said, you sit down. Man. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious, y'all. Y'all call stuff child abuse my parents thought was normal. See, I, the, the thing about it is, 
I was raised in such a structure that I wouldn't even think to say that. And after I say that, I would go in my, the car and get ahead of the problem. I would go and say, well, you want me to start the car for you? Want me to turn down the air for you? I'm so sorry. I would patronize that parent so when they get home, I don't die. I wouldn't think to say some of the stuff I hear young people say to their parents. I, it wouldn't even cross my mind. And that's why we got police problems, schools are having dropouts, all these different things. Because parents are not committed to being parents. They want to be such a friend of the child, they end up becoming the enemy. The child becomes the enemy to everybody else. Because the child, the Bible says, is born a fool. Look at chapter 23. They don't want knowledge. They will hate you when you try to teach it to them. And then they will quarrel with you when you speak to them. When they will tell you off while they eat your food. That's crazy. You in my bedroom that I pay for, wearing my clothes, eating my food, and then telling me how bored you are during the summer like I'm your entertainment. Now you want to talk to me crazy? Go to a job and do that. They can't maintain jobs. They're bouncing from job to job. Why? There was no respect developed in the home. But we'll get to parenting. Look at Proverbs 23, verse 9. He says, do not speak in the hearing of a fool, but he will despise the wisdom of your words. So that's why he is saying the person who's quick-tempered is a fool. You, 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 you're trying to get some words in. They don't care for the information. They don't care to understand anything. And they feel good about how they feel. So that's why he's saying that person is how you define a quick-tempered person. A quick-tempered person is that way. A slow-to-anger person is a person who functions with understanding. They, 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 it builds up over time because they don't feel like anybody's listening to them. And so they get angry. My mother was like that. My mother, well, you, you, she's the sweetest. I'm serious. I'm not saying it because she's my mom. I'm just telling you the truth. Everybody thinks I'm a mama's boy. I'm not. I just got a mama that loved her boy. But I, I didn't run and do everything my mom asked. I can remember my mom asking me to mow the yard. And my wife and I had a date planned. I said, Mom, I promise you I'll get that yard. But I can't do it today. I wasn't that child. I just had a good mother. I don't know what to tell you. So, you know, it just, it just, that's just the way it was. I remember my mom, she just, she could be, she'll listen, she'll quiet, she would try to, get, to understand what you're saying, she would this. But if you keep doing the same thing, after she talked to you, after she sit down with you, do devotions on it, who she was the worst person to deal with. Boy, she pick up that belt. She didn't say, turn over, let me hit you on the bottom. You got whipped everywhere. Wow, wow, wow. And when she's done, don't be crying. Oh, I couldn't stand that thing. What do you mean don't cry? Are you saying what? What are you saying to me? Oh, nothing. She whip you. She's the same person that would come in and hug you and say, you know better. You know better. And she would not leave that house until she had that time with you. That was just my mom. Just that loving a person. That's what I grew up experiencing. So it blessed my life. But I saw this slow to anger. It didn't mean my mother didn't get mad. 
My mother got mad. But, but when she got mad, that's why the Bible would call this kind of anger righteous indignation. They were right. They understood. They tried to adjust. They tried to hear. They tried to figure out what to do. And when they finally get to that spot, it's, that's why God, when he got angry, it was righteous indignation. He listened to Israel. You saw it. They walked through the Red Sea. They went in the wilderness. Go over here and do this. Oh, no. Do this. No. Go over here. No. So he said, okay, I'll do this for you. Okay, I wouldn't kill all of you. No, I wouldn't do this for you. After a while, Moses, I'm taking care of all of them. Moses had to beg God not to swallow them all up because he became righteously angry. So that's why it's righteous indignation. Jesus Christ goes into the temple for years. For years. He died at 33. Then going to the temple from the time we have the first acknowledgement of it when he's a baby with Anna and Simeon. 12 years of age, he's in the outer courts. But he gets to the point where he turns the tables upside down. It took a while watching it over and over and over and teaching in the temple and talking to people in the temple. Miracles in the streets. Miracles over here. Working day and night doing everything to solve people, serve people. And they still did the wrong thing. He turned the tables upside down and whipped them. Righteous indignation. He was slow to anger. That's for, because it started with understanding. But that's why he says this in chapter 16. Walk with me today. Look at verse 32. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. Watch Putin right now. Watch Putin. Putin think he got it going on, but the world is blowing up in his face. Finland, New Zealand, they, they, they say we can join NATO because you could come up inside of us. Your ships are in the Black Sea right now. We know your submarines are under that water. So we can't keep you out of there because we don't have anybody to stop you from coming around in our country spying on us. So since at any point in time, somebody decides to join NATO, which means when you fight one of us, you fight all of us. That sounds like my family. <laughs> then somebody beat me up, <laughs> they had to deal with my brothers. What you doing with my brother? I used to like that. They gave me a big mouth. I was never tall. I got a big mouth because I know the minute you touch me, somebody's showing up. I didn't ever ask you if he's right or wrong. They just hit my brother. He knows that. And when he, he knows that, he is threatening, turning lights off. He didn't get no gas. So he wants to be in control. And if I can't gain control, I'm going to bomb you. He says this, this is why he says this. A person who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. Hitler did the same thing. Where is Hitler today? Committed suicide. It starts off great, but the world cave in on you because it's just evil. But when Satan gets a hold of it, it's so evil. The world says we just can't stop and do nothing. It's just too evil. So the world popped up on Hitler. It's popping up on Putin. It's just too evil. When Satan gets a part of it, it's very evil. You ain't seen evil yet. Satan don't plan to take out one person. They want to take out a bunch of people. That's why I don't agree with high magazine guns. It's not a political issue for me. It's a God issue for me. Because Satan likes to kill. 
You ever saw a bullet hit a kid's body? Do you know why they have to ask the parents to get hair out of their brushes? Hard to identify that kid that had bullets all over them. See if you could make it through that. And we go vote and let these people go right back. They're not the problem. We're the problem. I don't blame them. I blame us. Everybody says, why you don't get mad at them? I ain't mad at them. I'm mad at us. Because he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. Because watch it carefully. He who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. He does what? Rules his spirit. The story's told of Julius Caesar. That every time somebody did something that made him very angry, this Julius Caesar will repeat the alphabet. He would just sit there and repeat all of the Greek alphabet to make sure that he at least got to the point where he can control his spirit. Because he has so much power as Julius Caesar, an emperor, with complete authority to do what he wanted to do, that he knew that the minute he opened his mouth, that person could be destroyed. So he went through the alphabet. The story was told of a group of people stranded on an island. And they're stranded on this island and they really need to get something to eat. So they saw some coconuts. But the coconut trees are high. And they're trying to figure out, how do I get these coconuts? Well, they saw some monkeys on the branches up there. So what they did was they started to throw rocks at the monkeys. The monkeys got mad and threw the, the, the coconuts back at them. And the, the monkeys ended up giving them the coconuts because the monkeys couldn't control being a monkey. And calling nobody a monkey, especially standing in front of a bunch of, bunch of black people. So don't be twisted. What I'm trying to say is they did not, they were animalistic. So they weren't interested in controlling their natural instinct, and they end up feeding the other person. The Bible is saying when a person can't control that spirit, we just got through defining in Romans, because they're not committed to grow spiritually. They're not committed to learn the Word of God. They're not committed to start applying the Word of God. Learning the Word of God is not enough spiritually. You have to keep applying it, applying it, applying it. And the Holy Spirit says, oh, you serious about this? Boom, he takes off inside of you and starts to grow and mature and grow and mature so that you no longer walk in the flesh. You now walk, walk, practice, walk. You become a lifestyle. That's what the word walk means, lifestyle, practice. I practice the Word of God so much, it becomes I walk now in the Spirit. When I keep walking in the Spirit, the Bible says, it's no way I can keep walking in the flesh because they're diametrically opposed to each other. They are, it's a dichotomy. It is a paradoxical. It is oxymoron. They're totally different from one another. So when you start doing one, you can't do the other. Is a person that does that, they start to rule their spirit because the spirit rules it for them and they can't be quick-tempered. The fundamental thing is as people walk away from God, walk away from church, don't want to hear the Bible, they're sick of this, they're sick of that, and they keep living in that world and they keep doing the world or whatever the world wants to do for them. This is what we got. This is what we got. Nobody can solve it. Well, Pastor, what are we going to do about all this, all this shooting? Nobody could solve it until we go here. Can't solve it. So that's why he says the more the end times come is the more death. Because people don't want God. 
And if you start teaching them the word of God, oh, man, would he just shut up? They're telling you, I'm a fool. I'm sold out to the world. I don't want to hear what you got to say. I could watch the news forever because I'm sold to it. I can listen to musicians forever because I'm sold to it. I can listen to my friend who's not saved forever because I'm sold to it. But the minute you open up the Bible, shut that thing. So the other day, don't have a, an aptitude or an appetite for information, just not God's information. That's it. That's why they don't. <laughs> A boy was asked, his parents, how do wars begin? So the father, feeling excited that his son asked him for information, sat the son down while the mother was in the kitchen. He said, son, let me explain it to you. You see, Wars tend to start because Germany went to, went to Belgium, and they want to take over that city. The mother just couldn't stand it. She says, listen to me. You're not explaining this to the boy well. That's not how wars start. That's how they already started before then. Why don't you explain to your son how wars start? He says, baby, the boy is sitting here with me, asking me the question. Would you please let me finish? He says, well, son, let me tell you a story. So, Dad, you don't need to. I just got the information. They were going back and forth. Nobody wants to listen. Everybody is feeling they got the right information. And there's arguing. The Bible says, why? They can't rule the spirit. Because we don't want to hear about spirit. You know, we would go to the emergency room and let those people take care of us until we're better. We come to church and our hands are on the watch and we want to get out. Where's God get a chance to look work on us? Or us is. We don't. You say, come to Christian counseling. We'll go to a psychologist. They're not even a Christian. Because they got a, all these credentials next to their name. You can't do it. You make pastoring very hard because the world got most of you. It just does. And that's why the Bible says the only way to solve this is you got to keep God first. You have to keep God first. It's not a church thing. It's not a pastor canon thing. It's not this boring stuff that God is talking about. He's saying the flesh. Let me just read this passage to you, defying the flesh. Okay, because some people be saying they're spiritual, but they look very fleshly. Look at Galatians chapter 5. Come on with me. Because I know you've read this passage before if you've been a living word any time. But I want to read it for you. Let me show you what the flesh is like in Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to read you the flesh. Let me show you how bad it is. Verse 19. This is how bad it is. So when you start saying, well, this is just righteous indignation, but it looks like the flesh, it's the flesh. Okay? Because some people like to be so righteous. I'm not, I, I'm angry, but it's righteous indignation. No, wait a minute. You're grabbing at straws. Verse 19 says, now the, the deeds of the flesh are evident. Notice he didn't say that about the spirit. He didn't say the, the deeds of the spirit is evident. No, he said the deeds of the flesh is loud. Makes a lot of noise. It is something you're going to have to confront and deal with. He says, it's immorality. Got to be sexy. Got to have my man or my woman. Impurity, sensuality, 
idolatry. This is my car. This is my kids. Sorcery. They come up with all kinds. God going to bless me. Let me put my hand on this car. And God is going to bless me because God wants to bless me. That's sorcery. That's sorcery. That ain't no faith. Faith comes from the word of God. Sorcery comes from my flesh and my desires and what I want of something. Sorcery is what I want this thing. So I'm going to ask God to bless it. And because I prayed and asked God to bless it, I know he did. Because I sure gave my dollar last Sunday. That's sorcery. That's not faith. Enmities, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, quick-tempered natures, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like this which I forewarned you, that I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things, practice such things, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. What does he mean by not inherit the kingdom of God? Ephesians chapter 1 tells us what that means. Look quickly. It's the very next book. That's why I'm going to do it. The very next book. He says, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. He's talking about they will not experience the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. Look at verse 13. In him, chapter 1, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of salvation, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is given as a pledge of our inheritance. The person will not experience the work of the Holy Spirit when they practice the flesh. Every day is what I feel, what I like, what makes me feel good, what I want to have is very self-centered. So, therefore, whatever the flesh is moving me to do, I'm going to do it. If the flesh says go buy something, oh, I ain't got no money, but I'm going to put it on your credit card, pay that $20 a month. I know they mess it over me, but I want it. That's the flesh. Oh, that person got a car like that? I'm going to buy me one like that too. Jealousy. That's why we end up in so much debt. That's why he's saying you've got to keep God First, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these things shall be added unto you, because I want to bless you, but seek me first. I know I put you on earth. I know I put you where you got to eat something. I made you with the teeth, the tongue, the, 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 the stomach. I did it this way. I know you want to be intimate. I gave you a passion that burns. I just say take it and put it into marriage. And you can do whatever you want. Just keep, just make sure you don't go outside of marriage. Because the marriage bed is holy. Nothing you can do in there that's not holy. Hebrews chapter 13. You know, I like the way an author put it. He said there's many fires that are in our homes. Many fires. There's a fire in the, if you have a gas stove in the pilot. You got a fire in the fireplace. If you have a gas fireplace, there's a little pilot down in there. You go into a ceiling, if you're just where your water heater is, there's a fire in the water heater that keeps it warm, keeps the water warm. But all of it blesses the home. If you took the fire and you put that same fire in the, on the floor in the den, on the floor in the bedroom, or the worse, on an old mattress in the bedroom, it'll burn the house down. But if you let these fires be in all these different things, it blesses the home. The Bible is saying, anger is supposed to be there. Just keep it in the fireplace. 
so it warms the home. Keep it in the water heater so it gives you a warm shower. Keep it in the stove so it helps you to have a good meal. But don't take the fire and let it burn the house down. Because you choose not to seek God first. Look at chapter 19, verse 11. He says it right here. A man of discretion makes slow to anger. He takes it to another level. What does he mean? The word of person of discretion is two things and three things in here he's saying. He actually said the second part is said in the second part of this verse. He says, for it is his glory to overlook the transgression. What does he mean? Somebody may do something to us to offend us, right? We don't immediately, ah, I can't stand the fact that you just keep letting your spoon hit the plate. Okay, so what? Actually, actually, things that we call offensive in the Bible is actually, it's actually not what we're saying. The word offense in the Bible means that when the person did something to me, they broke the word of God. When they did it, that's why it's an offense. But we get mad when somebody just do something we don't like. That's technically, my brother didn't offend me. That's not what the verse is saying. The verse is when the person offends me is when they do something the Bible is telling them not to do to me. But if the person starts saying things we don't like, he just, I can't, just can't stand the fact that you said that to me. But a person may not have said anything that violates the word of God. So technically, they don't owe you an apology biblically. Well, we got quiet. Let me explain that. Because we, we, we sometimes, we, we, we can't, you know, you sit in front of the TV, click, 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 click. What you going to look at? Is that frustrating? Yes, I testify. Okay? Frustrate my wife sometimes. I don't know what I want to look at. Just I'm trying to find something, bang, bang, shoot up, and I'm done, you know. And she wants to look at uh, this person, love this person, this person. I said, baby, let me tell you the plot so we get over it. Oh, I still want to look at it. These English movies. Oh, kings and queens. Oh, man, I don't know what the... Okay, back to the sermon. So sometimes I'm just clicking. That's frustrating, Right? Technically, because I'm frustrating the other person, I need to be sensitive to it. But technically, that is not an offense. It got quiet, didn't it? Women want that to be an offense right now. You, know, you make that an offense. I can't stand my husband doing that. Offense is not the fact that I like to put the dishes in the dishwasher. That's just a choice that doesn't please the other person. But it's not an offense. An offense is not when a person comes and they say, I don't like that perfume. I don't like that cologne. No, you don't like it, but it's not an offense. It doesn't violate the verse. It's just my preference that doesn't line up with your preference. And the Bible gave me the freedom to have a preference. So if that preference don't line up with your preference, so what? Get over it. That's why the Bible says love is not self-seeking. Hello? It's not, i say it again, self-seeking. That's self-seeking. Buy a perfume I like. That's self-seeking. Buy a cologne I like. That's self-seeking. It's not, so the person, no, I really like this cologne. I really like this perfume. Then we have to be selfless. Now I'm loving the person because I choose to be selfless. You with me? So when he is talking here about this person coming up and doing a transgression, he's saying the person is actually violating a verse towards me. But instead of saying, you're wrong, I don't want to tell you you're wrong, the Bible said this person just goes, man, you know they ain't right, and they move on. 
So because a person is not picking, 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 picking at everything the person does, we do that to kids many times. You know, I remember Pierre, when he would study, because he talk about me, when he would study, you know, he started wanting to uh, listen to music and study. And I grew up in a home where everything shut down when study time is. It was a set time from 7 to 9 o'clock study time, and everybody was quiet. Everybody was studying. My mom didn't tolerate the roaches running. It was just quiet. Okay? So we, I got used to that. So my son said, Dad, I like studying with music. What? I don't make any sense. He said, but Dad, I, I like it. I said, okay. If you keep your grades up while the music is on, I got nothing. Because the only point of doing your homework and studying is to keep your grades up. So if it doesn't affect your grades in the next six weeks report, I may, you know, ain't going to last six weeks because I'm coming about in three weeks to check it out. Then you're good. Came back in three weeks. It was good. So guess what? Play your music. The Bible is saying that's technically not an offense. So therefore, even in parenting, I can't go, you're wrong. No, technically, he's not. So I have to come to the child to negotiate with the child because it's not wrong. It's just my preference. I'm teaching today. So when he comes to this word transgression, he's saying the person did do something that is offensive. Let me get, uh, I got to say this discreetly, very discreetly. The person, you want to be with this person as a husband and wife. But the person goes, no. Based on 1 Corinthians chapter 7, that is a transgression. <laughs> yeah, I know I'm up in your grill now. <laughs> that, that is a transgression because 1 Corinthians chapter 7 says they don't own their body. You own it. You don't own their body. And sometimes that situation is a duty. It's right there in the verse before you start throwing a rock. Read 1 Corinthians 7. He says, if you keep doing that, Satan will get a foothold. And Satan will start sending women after your husband, men after your, 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 your wife. He will start sending people towards them because he's trying to get them to break the very code of marriage. I make you one flesh in that code. So if he breaks that code, he got marriage. So he, he says, you can't say no. I know it got quiet there. But the Bible says, if the husband or the wife says, hey, I, I'm just not feeling this tonight or whatever, and the other person was to go, okay, okay, maybe another time. The Bible says that leads the person to discretion. Because now the person is not going, what? That's quick-tempered, not slow to anger. What the person is going is now is being in discretion is that he's taking it. The word discretion is high, is, is deeper than the word understanding. It's taking a complex issue. That's what the word means. And finding a practical solution to it. So the person is seeing this thing as complex. And because they are violating a verse, and I could preach to them what verse they're violating, but I got to figure out a practical solution because God is going to help me in this situation through the ministry of the Holy Spirit to be able to live sinful, live righteous. So therefore, since God is going to help me to live righteous, I will be in this complex situation, find a good solution to it. So baby, we got to come back to this because of my needs. Yes, we'll come back to that. The person 
has to respond. They respond, the complex issues resolve, anger is erased. That's what he's talking about. And Solomon would know that kind of stuff with a thousand women. But uh, he's saying that's what he's talking about when it comes to discretion. It's deeper than understanding because the issue is about a transgression that violates the Word of God. And the person's not coming just beating up the person because you know what the Bible says. You know I'm the head of this house. and You know what the Word of God says. And you need to do this because I'm the head of the house. And you know what the Bible says. And you better do this. So that person goes to a city and rule it. But they don't come out the same way. They come out like Putin, messed up, Hitler, damaged. They come out the worst way ever because they took their authority and power and say you give them a verse and you read the verse and you do the verse. So instead of coming out with love, the person comes out with a resentful response to what they're asking. So it builds up anger and resentment on both sides. And that's why, last passage, hang in there. I'm preaching today. Hang in there. I feel led to teach you this today. Because we have so much anger in our communities. Road rage. I, I had a depleting emotional week. Let's look at those kids. That could have been my grandkids. Just slaughtered. Just slaughtered. Going to the grocery store. Yeah road rage plane rage I wonder what would happen in a plane if people were allowed to take a gun got people killed planes got holes in them in the middle of the sky crushed blow up in the air the minute that decompression hits that hole plane is gone so that's why he says this in James as we conclude Look at James chapter 1. I ask you to put your finger in a Bible. Or don't tear up my pastor's corner. You could use the outer part. Take too much time to write that thing. In James chapter 1, look at verse 20. He says, the anger of man. He didn't say the anger of God. He said the anger of man. The anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Does not achieve it. So in other words, God's standards are here. There is no way a person just on this one thing, anger, would ever live a righteous life. If, they, if they're just constantly quick-tempered, constantly responding in their anger, not slow to anger, just constantly going off at the mouth, constantly getting at people, he's saying that person will not grow to righteousness. Why is that? Because the person is not committed to the Word of God. What does righteousness come from? Faith. What does faith come from? The Word of God. Abraham was a man that was righteous because he lived by faith and not by sight. So a person who lives by the Word of God, they are not going to do that when they're quick-tempered, when they respond to everything from their flesh and their emotions and what they feel. They're not going to end, end up walking with the Word of God. And when they're not working with the Word of God, they, they're not going to live by the standards of God because they're quick-tempered on one thing, anger. Relationships sometimes build what I call backpack problems. Backpack problems. The reason why I have backpack problems is because there's, everybody has a backpack in a relationship, but people keep throwing rocks in them. 
And the more they put rocks and the more they put rocks and the more they put rocks and the more they put rocks, anger, abusive language, talking to people crazy, treating husbands and wives the way they're not supposed to, singles living the way they want to. The Bible says the more the rocks go in is the more we end up losing out in our relationship with God because it weighs us down. We don't want church. We don't want Bible. don't want to pray because nothing is worth nothing because we kept putting rocks in the backpack. That's why I say this to you. You got to work your way through the fire or you'll be burned by it because anger is a very natural emotion. God has it and he says to be angry. He just says don't sin. Because you have to release it. Don't forget how I started this. If you don't release it, it drives to depression. So you have to release anger. It's like a, it's like a car with an exhaust pipe. You got to let the exhaust come out the pipe. Or it will back up and destroy the car. Anger is something you have to release. He's just saying learn how to make it through the fire so you come out on the other end of the fire productive and effective in solving relationship issues. You don't get stuck in the fire and get burned up. Many times people get stuck in the fire and they burn up and they take a lot of people with them like we've seen these last several weeks. So folks, be angry. But get through the fire. Let us stand.